Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 567 for the 23rd of Sivan in a regular year. So there's a misconception amongst some people who most likely have never owned businesses themselves, who don't necessarily really have much of an entrepreneurial streak, who think that business owners, especially let's say those who own large corporations, but they might think this about owners of smaller businesses too, that the role of the business owner is really to kind of sit in their office or maybe even sit in their fancy home and count their money and not really have much of a relationship with the company, with the employees, not really know much of what's going on and kind of just like sit up high above in their ivory tower, enjoying the fruits of everybody else's labor. So for anybody who actually has a business or who have ever has had a business, you most likely know that this is very, very far, far from the truth. And this is especially very far from the truth for those people who have startups, who kind of like started really from the ground up to the point that there's actually a phrase in Silicon Valley is that the mark of a startup is when you see the CEO picking up the trash in the back in the bathroom. So this is very much true that basically like when somebody really, uh, whether it's the owner or the CEO of a company, and it's a company that is like something that's very personal to them, it's something that they really started on their own, then they're going to be involved in every last detail of that company, most likely, if they want the company to succeed, obviously, down to the very bathroom, to the trash on the bathroom floor. This is something that they're going to be involved with. So why am I bringing this up today? Because it came to mind in what we're going to be learning about today, how about God and about how this mistake that a lot of people make about entrepreneurs or about CEOs of companies is actually very similar to the mistake that certain scholars, believe it or not, have made about God. And this is a pretty famous argument, actually, that has come up in that comes up in Kabbalistic literature. And we'll see where Chabad stands in this and where the altar stands in this argument. And the, the argument, the debate basically revolves around this fact of is God like the CEO who is aloof and sitting in his ivory tower and looking down on the world from above? Or is God like the startup entrepreneur who is the CEO of the startup who is involved in every last detail of creation down to picking up trash in the ba- in the bathroom? So most likely, if you've been following along thus far in these podcasts, you probably know that the Altarebbe and Chabad Chassidus at large really believes the latter. And this is exactly what it is that we're going to be addressing today. We're going to be addressing this mistake that some people make about God being aloof. So 
people who acknowledge the fact that God created the world, but then they think to themselves that God created the world and then is kind of standing back and just letting things unfold as they unfold. And he's not really involved in the day-to-day aspects of creation or most definitely at least not in the like very, very, very detailed minutia of creation and divine providence of every leaf on the tree and all that kind of stuff. And the reason why this is coming up right now is because the ultra is actually kind of sympathizing with these people, with people who might think this way. And he's, he's going to explain to us why it might be that somebody might come to this kind of conclusion. And then of course, he's going to bring it back and he's going to tell us why they are wrong. <laughs> but he's going to start off by explaining this argument. Like it's sort of like in a debate, often somebody will point out the argument of the other side in order to really get into further detail to uh, to explain their side better. So in order to really be able to explain one's, your side of the argument, it's good to always understand the other side of the argument as well, right? So that's what we're going to be looking at today. So the argument from the other side basically stems from the fact, as we'll learn in the text, that what we've been learning so far in the past couple of episodes, and it's come up previously in Tanya as well, is that when it comes to God, and when we look at God on an intrinsic essential level, God is unchanging. That's one of the things that are really uh, definitive about God is his unchanging nature and that he's not affected in the sense that he doesn't change. His his being doesn't change by the happenings in the world. And we've learned that God is the same before he was before creation and after as he was after creation. So thus with this reasoning, with this understanding that God is unchanging, it's actually very uh it, it kind of makes sense. It's kind of rational to think then to conclude that okay, if God is unchanging, we see that the world around us changes and the world around us is a creation of God. We are acknowledging that. So thus we must say that God is not so involved in this changing world because the world is fluctuating so much, but yet we know that God is unchanging. So he must be aloof. But the ultra-reverse response to this is that this is in fact not the case at all. And this actually is totally impossible because to say this kind of thing, we'd have to be basically saying in in technical terms that the symptom, this constriction that we spoke about with which God created the world happened on a literal level, that God literally constricted and hid himself from the world, that that he literally removed himself from the world. And to say such a thing, first of all, we'll learn is really ridiculous when it comes to God, because this is ascribing a a sort of corporeality to God. We're saying that God actually did change himself in a certain way, that he removed himself literally from the world. And the truth is, as the ultra will explain to us, it's in fact the total opposite. It's that this fact that we're saying that God is unchanging is not because he's so removed from the world. It's actually because he's so imminent. He's so present here and that God's knowledge of the world is so present and is so all-encompassing that it's a type of self-knowledge that when we say that God knows about all the happenings in the world, every single creature, every single element of creation, this is all a type of knowledge that's within himself. So it's not that God is removed from the world. And when we say that God's unchanging, it's actually alluding to the fact that God is very, very much present in the world. So let's get into the text and see how the ultra explains all of this. So here we go. So now the ultra rabbi says, and, and, and for context, we're still in the middle of chapter seven of Shari Yochid Vaimuna. And so the ultra rabbi is continuing. This is a new section of, it's like a new paragraph of chapter seven, but he's continuing along the theme of that, which we've been learning about God's knowledge and how God's knowledge is one with him and how God knows everything in the world and all of that. And the idea of intrinsic knowledge 
which is different than our type of supplemental knowledge, like that when we learn things, we're learning things and they're adding to our knowledge versus for God, nothing can ever be added or subtracted from him. So all of God's knowledge of everything in the world is intrinsic to who he is. And so the Altarpa says here, he begins this section and he says that from here, we can understand the mistake of certain chachamim, so of certain scholars. So it's not just like stupid people that make this mistake. It's actual scholars that make this mistake. So these scholars, they think, according to them, and God should forgive them, the altar Rabbi says, that they make the mistake that this idea of what the Arizal wrote about, this idea of the tzimtzum, this, uh, this idea of the constriction, which is written there, happened in a literal sense, it happened kipshuto. It's called in Hebrew that the 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 tzimtzum was kipshuto. The tzimtzum was literal. That God literally detached himself, literally removed himself, his essence, God forbid, from the world, and that he's just supervising from above with this kind of divine providence from above on everything here in the world, whether we're talking about the heavenly realms or whether we're talking about down here on earth that God is supervising all of this from above, from kind of like a different realm, a different sphere. And the Altarabbas says that not only is this definitely not the case, that the symptom is not literal at all, because by saying so, this is ascribing a sort of corporeality to God who is totally different than like to in uh, myriads and myriads upon myriads of degree from people. So it's like this idea that we can, even think of God as doing such a thing as like removing himself in this kind of way, that itself is something it's like we're anthropomorphizing God in a way that just is not, is laughable, basically is what the altar was saying. And not only this, he says, it's, it's actually the complete opposite. It's actually that they're totally missing the point, point, because especially if they are believers and sons of believers, they should know that God knows everything. God knows all of the things that he created in this world, in this lowly world. And God is supervising them. Yes, he's supervising them, but not from this place from above. It's actually like a real supervision. Like God is very, very, very much involved. And thus, when God knows these things, when God knows about um, all of his creation, this type of knowledge does not add anything to him and does not add any chiddush. It doesn't add any newness to him because God knows everything. God knows everything as a way of self-knowledge, just like we know ourselves. This is how God knows the world because there's and all of the worlds because there is nothing apart from God. Thus, so to speak, we can say that God's being and essence and knowledge are all one and the same. So that's the end of the section. And so just to recap and maybe bring it back to the intro is that when we think about God, a lot of people might make this mistake and think of him as being this like aloof character who's just kind of like supervising above from above to below and isn't super involved in our daily life. And just like maybe as I gave that example in the beginning, that a lot of people tend to think of CEOs of companies as being aloof, as being kind of like not so involved and they're just like sitting at home and letting the company run the show. But a good CEO, especially a CEO of a company, of a, of a startup, I mean, like of a smaller company is very much involved. And when we think about God, I mean, all the more so this is true, that God is very much involved in the world. So involved, in fact, that the type of knowledge that God has of the world and the type of providence and supervision that God has in the world is so true and so real that it actually is one and the same with him. 
So when we say that God is unchanging in his knowledge, it's not because he's apart from the world, but it's actually the complete opposite. It's because he very much is in the world. And all all that God knows about the world is actually him knowing himself. Now the Altar Rabbah brings a citation from the Tikkun Zohar, uh, Tikkun 57, where it says that there is no place devoid of God. Not in this world, not in the higher worlds, and not in the lower worlds. And then the altar goes on to cite a section of the Zohar called the Ramnahemna in Parshas Pinchas, which says, He grasps all worlds, referring to God, and none can grasp him. He encompasses all worlds, and no one goes out from his domain. He fills all worlds. He binds and unites a kind to its kind, upper with lower. And there is no closeness in the four elements except through the Holy One, blessed be He, when He is within them. And this is where the citation from the Ram Nehemna ends. And now the altar is going to focus on this idea, this this passage, specifically the, the section which says none can grasp Him. And that what does this mean? What is meant by this this fact that we say that not, none can grasp Him? It means that no no being, not even the most highest of highest beings, in the higher worlds, can grasp God with their intellect. The true essence and and being of God is ungraspable by the intellect of any created being. As is written in the Tikkunim, he is hidden from all the spiritual worlds, which are themselves hidden, and no thought can grasp you at all. So even so, it's like, just a little pause for a moment. It's like when we talk about the spiritual realms, again, this is a mistake people often make is they, they equate God with spirituality. But yet the spiritual realms, as lofty and as hidden to us as they are, in relation to God, they are still extremely far and they still have absolutely no ability to grasp God's essence and being. They're, they're very far from being anywhere near to what we think of as God. And then he, even here in the lower realms, even though we know that it's true that God fills all the worlds, so in, in uh, Hasidic literature, we call this memalik Amin, this is not the, the same as a soul inside of a body. So this is that analogy of the soul and the body. So when we talk about how the soul fills the body, right? So the soul is grasped within the body to the point that it actually does get affected and is influenced by the changes within the body. So that if the body's in pain, God forbid, or if the body or or gets a body gets hit, or if the body is cold, or if it's warm from fire and things like that, the soul is affected by these things, right? So it's like we, I talked about in the intro that we get very much affected. Our moods, moods get affected by the happenings in our bodies, what we eat, what we drink, what we feel, the temperature, all that, all that stuff, which is not the case with God, who does not receive any kind of change at all from the changes that happen in the world, whether it's summer, whether it's winter, whether it's night, whether it's day. God is the same God. He doesn't change in any way. He doesn't get affected the way that the soul gets affected by the, hap- the happenings of the body. And this is, and then the altar over here brings a citation to support this. This is from Tehillim chapter 139 verse 12, which says, Which literally means even darkness does not obscure for you. And the night illuminates like the day. Meaning to say, again, that God is the same God, whether it's nighttime, whether it's daytime, same God, no changing at all. And this is because, concludes the Altar Rebbe, 
that God is not grasped at all within the worlds, even though he fills all of them. So it's, this is the end of the section. And so it ends off with this kind of like paradoxical statement. And the ultra is very clear that it's a paradox. He really, he begins this section by telling us this is not something that we can understand. It's not something that's graspable by us because it's not something we can relate to because as far as we're concerned, in our reality, in our lives, we have a soul and we have a body and there's a connection between the two in the sense that what happens to our body affects our soul. But yet when it comes to God, even though God is very much present here in the world and fills all the worlds and permeates everything, there's nothing in this world that is devoid of God. Nevertheless, God is not affected by the happenings in the body and God remains totally and utterly unchanged. So that's it for today. And we will continue along these lines tomorrow and I will speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzhak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.